welcome to the Broken Arrow, a traditional bow hunting podcast with your hosts, Schaefer Magnet and Chris Seacole. Brought to you by Black Widow Bows. With addictive archery, safari tough, and great northern quivers. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Broken Arrow Traditional Bow Hunting Podcast. Um, before we get started, I just want to remind everybody about the Compton Christmas Giveaway. It's a youth archery package. So basically, the giveaway is a passion project of our friend and CTB member, Damian Howard. You can find him at Instagram, at Bleeding Arrow. And he is once again given money straight out of his own pocket to make this happen. We would love to see children that don't yet have bows, or who may have outgrown theirs, uh, get to enjoy the sport of traditional archery. So, we'll be giving away four complete bow packages in three different age groups, as well as additional winners pulled for Three Rivers Archery gift cards. So, to enter, one, share the post on Instagram. Go to the Compton account, and you'll you'll scroll down. You'll find the post. Uh, it's from October 16th. Number two, visit the link in our bio and fill out a quick form that will officially get your youngster into the drawing. Please submit a new form for each child entered. The winners will be drawn on November November 30th in order to have the packages delivered and under the tree by Christmas. So get your youth entered and good luck. Enjoy the episode. We starting? Uh, we can. I mean, All right. it's pretty pretty easy going obviously. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> so, Chris, Todd was on my podcast and it was one of my absolute favorite episodes I did. This is uh, way more high class. Yes, definitely. <laughs> the cool thing is Todd's also from the Northeast in New Hampshire. Yeah, I'd so. say you're in New Hampshire, right? Yeah, sister state. What part? Yeah. Of the he's he's upside down. We're we're upside right. What 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 part? What part of uh, of uh, New Hampshire are you in? In the southwest. So we're not we're not actually in the mountains, but. Mm-hmm. Um, this zone where we live and where I hunt mostly is basically glacial till boulders, rocks, gravel. Your calves burn a lot. (laughs) Well, nothing grows really well either. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. How's the hunting in there? Is it better than Vermont? Not at all. I've been out about, I've been out about 15 times since this year yeah because i'm retired now and i can get out nice. hadn't seen an animal oh man. yeah that, that sounds about I, right i hadn't seen a squirrel actually that's depressing and you, you know i have a theory because this year we have a good mass crop yeah okay the last previous two years it was like a total fail on the mass crop and that's what everything from squirrels to deer everything depends on and I think they simply moved to where there was food. They oh, staying. gotcha. Yeah. They aren't going to stay in the dead zone. Right. So that may may account for it. And they just haven't, you know, moved back this way. How's uh, how's the bears in your area? Lots of bears. I yeah. think we had. You're going to get to hear one fantastic story at some point, Chris, about bear right. hunting. Yeah. I think That's we awesome. had, had five different bears around the house in the spring. Yeah. Um. That we could identify as different ones. 
And there was uh, actually we have a crab apple tree on the property. We can see from the living room, and uh, for whatever reason, this boar. I've got pictures from I would say fifteen years ago of this animal. Mm-hmm. No kidding. And that he's old. taken he's taken that tree to be one of his rub marking trees, and he's about raked it raw. So he's putting leaves out still. Fingers Perfect. <laughs> That's cool. That is neat. Spring, the spring doesn't work. You know, right. No season. Your season's in the spring? No, it, no, none here. It's fall only. Fall. Okay. Yeah. Same. Same in Pennsylvania. You can yeah. you can have one bait on private land, right, Todd? In New you Hampshire, you can have uh, you can have two. Two. Okay. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. We can't use anything. We're we're straight up just. I I, I during during the rifle season, it's all drives. Everybody does drives. Yeah. Um, but but archery season, it's just right spot, right time. Hopefully. Yeah. Amen to that. It's, yeah, it's tough. Year, I opened my bait again. It's been over 20 years I've been doing it. Mm-hmm. Most years you get activity of some sort. And this year, I think I had a, on the camera, maybe a year and a half old walk oh, wow. through and keep on going. <laughs> I, I got an absolute yeah. tank on my camera. Of course, it was my front door camera, <laughs> but still. <laughs> we, we have a uh, we have a raised ranch and our, our our front porch is like an elevated deck and uh, I, f- I forgot to take the garbage down to the can I just tossed it on the on the on the porch the one night and he he showed up and he was a he was he was a nice bear he's been a really eating nice well. bear yeah oh yeah he was he was good he was good size he was making his loops to his baits yeah they just happened to be in the form of trash cans <laughs> yeah seriously I never I never see them in the woods I think I've seen like the only bears I've ever seen in the woods has been on on my way to the stand, which is you know a little nerve wracking when it's dark. But um, that's it. I mean, I've never seen a bear in daylight mm. when I was hunting. It's always been walking in or walking out. Yeah, I've had a couple encounters spring turkey hunting going out early. Yeah, and I hear the cubs scramble up the tree, that's, and I go, "Whoops!" Uh, back out of that. <laughs> plan B. <laughs> 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 But I tell you what, and around here, I have more respect, if you will, uh, for moose. Um, I'm sure. I've I've come gotten myself between a calf and a cow one morning on an old logging road when again turkey hunting, and then I was like, uh, you know, I was able to move. Yeah. And but she was not a hat. She was all bristled up, and I said, nah. She would do me more. <laughs> Moose yeah. has an intimidating size factor. Yeah, they're yeah. they're a little they're they're on a whole another level. Um, yeah. But we don't yeah. have many. I mean, they're in in decline here. Yeah, same here. That's a bummer. Yeah. You think with like, I mean, like there's there's very limited hunting and and how many tags do they give out a year in New Hampshire? Do you know? It's been steadily decreasing this season. They issued thirty three for the whole state. Dang. And last year, I think it may have been 57. The year before, maybe 75. Yeah. And as, as things have warmed up, the thing that's, that's really decimating uh, the herd is the winter ticks. Because yeah. 33 p- permits, hunting is not making any difference whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get 33, and how many of those are filled? Probably five, if, if you're lucky. Yeah, and yeah. then vehicle collisions right. and take a lot, and but the winter ticks are 
really put doing a number, especially on the calves and okay. their, their survival. What's what's the deal? Like so so in my area we have deer ticks and they're the ones that carry lime. What's what's the difference? What's a winter tick? I mean, because I'm sure that's kind of significant to your area, right? Well, I I think it's probably a zone in a in a certain temperature range. Yeah, but what you need real real cold winters, early and cold to kill the to kill the ticks. And if you yep. don't, there'll be a get on the on the host animal like the moose. Yeah, and they mo- I mean in numbers like tens of thousands of them on the animal. Oh God! So they get anemic from blood loss. Yeah. They itch and they'll rub their hair off, oh. and they exposed to the cold, and it affects the cows as far as their ability to bear uh, a calf again. Oh my god, that sucks! So it's a it's the it's the whammy all the way around. And yeah. you, you guys, I've heard didn't... it's gross to shoot a moose up here occasionally because once they die, and like I, I've heard once like the moment they start losing body heat. You can just, it's almost like their furs crawling yeah. because of all the ticks. I shot, off. I shot a, I shot a buck a couple, couple years ago. Um, it might've been that guy right there. It was him, mm-hmm. I think. And I had his, I skinned him out. I, I quartered him out and everything. I did all the, the processing, but I took his head home on the, in the back of the truck. Right. And I was going to skin it out and take the jaw off and everything. Start doing a Euro mount. And when I set it on my tailgate the next day, things were crawling in and out of it. Ugh. Like the amount of ticks that were coming in and out of the fur. I was just sitting there looking at it, like what it, it, it like for a minute, it didn't like register. I'm like, why is it skin? You know? And then I noticed it was yeah. that many ticks in yeah. just its face, like in and out of the fur. It was insane. Yeah. I mean, we like every time I shoot a deer, like if you, when you flip it over to gut it, the armpits are loaded. You know, there's like, there's like okay. 15 ticks in each armpit. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. you'll see them on their faces, especially in the summer. If you go out glassing, mm-hmm. you'll see just like little bumps all over their face and they're just all ticks. So yeah. um, like a week before I head down there, Todd, or I went down there, Chris oh, goes yeah. to me, are your, are your clothes treated with permethrin? I'm like, no, he's like, I'd, I'd strongly suggest it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. How about this? So, um, uh, I went out on Sunday for a hike. Um, I had an incident I was out looking to make sure I didn't do something. And uh, we'll probably get to that in another episode. But basically, I was out in some thick stuff, cruising through, looking for a deer. Um, and my my clothes are all treated with Sawyer's permethrin. Mm-hmm. And I started doing it in November of 18 or 19, 19 maybe. I started using that stuff. And I haven't gotten a tick on me since. It's been great. Um, where I went through and I just treated my stuff maybe two weeks ago and, and Sawyer's is good for up to, I think six washes before it right. starts. losing. I think it's six weeks, six washes is what Yeah, it before it starts losing its potency. It's, but I had it like two weeks treated and I had ticks all over my legs and I, I videoed them. I'm like, holy crap. They're, you know, well, I had a pair of pants on and I had, I was wearing muck boots and yep. when I shoved my pants into my muck boots, my, my like pant curled over like that yeah like like the cock curled up and when i took my i i got home and i i I basically stripped nude pretty much out of my back deck and when i (laughs) thanks when i well i had my boxes on how's that when i when i took my boots off the 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 pants that were cuffed up were loaded with dead ticks oh 
What does so, that say about that permethrin? I'm probably going to get cancer again, basically. <laughs> um, but but the ticks are Agent, dead. Agent Orange. Of Seriously, it's it's just like it's like going to Vietnam or something. <laughs> um, but uh. the, the I couldn't believe it, like because they were crawling on me, and I'm like, what? The, I didn't think they. I've never even seen them on me since I started using that stuff. And, and then, then they then they died and dropped. Off. They all died and they fell inside my muck boot and landed in that cuff. That's it, wild. It was disgusting. There's probably about six or eight in each leg. Oh, it was disgusting. So so basically, it's better than on the leg. Yeah. So I, I actually uh, I I, uh, I let all my stuff out overnight and then I uh, washed it and uh, I treated everything again today in the middle of the day. I I, I put it out on my back deck and sprayed the crap out of it because I'm going back out this weekend. But yeah, the ticks are and. When I grew what's up, the temper- I- what Chris, what's the temperature there now? As right, right now it's forty nine. Today I think our high was like 56, 58. So you really nice. haven't had much cold at all. We've, we've had. Um, I was about to say the the first day I was down there, cold snapped pretty good. Yeah, we had late, it warmed up each day after. Late twenties, low thirties during the night, and then like forties at day. Um, but then again, this week it kind of hit like high fifties, sixties, but not, not enough to kill them. No, not yet. Not yet. Um, and I don't know if they even die in the winter. I think they just kind of go dormant. I think you're right. I don't think it kills them. Um, but we didn't have them when I was a kid, when I was a kid, Hmm. when in the, in the eighties and nineties, we didn't have ticks. I would go out in the woods in shorts and a tank top. And my brother and I would play war and we'd be crawling all over the the leaves and dirt. I never got a tick on me. It was, it wasn't until probably a couple of years ago here where I started noticing them. Probably like 2010 is when we started getting them, when they really started picking up like 20, 2008, 2010, somewhere in there. All of a sudden you're getting them. And then all of a sudden all, like I had friends that were getting Lyme disease, like crazy. Yeah. That's a friend of mine uh, who, who Schaefer met here, Bill, he's, uh, he's 80 now, but he's had three rounds with uh, Lyme. Oh gosh! Well, he's doing pretty good for eighty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, you know, you get uh, it. He, he's over in coastal area here, which yeah. is high deer density. Yeah. So, as I understand it, you got a, a deer mouse, the uh, organism, and the deer in in the cycle for the deer ticks to do their thing. Yeah. And um, if you interrupt that cycle. Like here, I think maybe maybe it's the deer because there's only I think they put it about two and a half to five deer per square mile. Yeah. So as like Schaefer can she he knows it's when it's so they're not enough. I don't think enough deer here to make lime an issue. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I'm gonna go ahead and blame the government 100 percent on this. <laughs> There's my conspiracy theory for the night. Oh, that's good. But, but I don't think that's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the truth. The uh, uh, So before we get too carried away with Lyme disease here. And the government. Yeah. So, Todd, we should probably at least introduce you. Oh, that, that'd be <laughs> so, good, yeah. So, so people know who we're talking to. So uh, if you want to do a quick little introduction to yourself, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. I, I do appreciate that. And before I get started with that, I, I like the fact that you guys free flow and a tangents and, and uh, whether it's HVAC or beards. Recovery. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. There's absolutely no organization here. <laughs> well, when I was in Hawaii, they, the, 
instead of sitting around a campfire, uh, of course, on the beach at a luau, you'd have a fire there. And the Hawaiian term was talking story. So you got together and talked story is basically how you guys run your thing. I like it. Anyway, um, Todd Gregory's the name. I live in southern New Hampshire, um, currently retired and um, loving life here. Been in this place for about 20 years. Perfect. Yeah. What did you do for a living before you retired? Chris, I uh, had almost 40, I had 40 years with the Secret Service. I was a special agent. <laughs> I was going to say, were you a government official? <laughs> As I'm ragging on the government. This, hey, uh, hey, believe me. This, this, the Secret I have Service? No, I, have no issue, I have no issue with that. You just did Secret, you said Secret Service, right? Yes. So I, oh, that's awesome. I, I traveled a lot. Uh, I'm dating myself by saying this, but the first campaign that I worked on was then Governor Carter in oh, 76. Wow. So I don't know where you were in 76, but I was negative one. <laughs> you, you've got to be full of all kinds of history. There's there's stuff uh, we could talk story about, but it would be a different podcast, perhaps. Yeah, we'll have I, to introduce him to Melody. <laughs> I I don't, I don't want to get too far into it. I don't want to, but yeah. but were were you more on the taking care of politicians side, or were you on the other side of the Secret Service? Because I know they kind of do a little bit of everything. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to give the thumbnail. Basically, you do both, mm-hmm. and you cannot really do the protection side your whole career you just get burned out oh i could imagine yeah 24 7 the travel and all seeing stress too right but then when you're in a field office and then you have criminal investigations you cover yeah um the first the first was uh counterfeit currency which was an issue Uh, a little aside here's a here's a tangent um go for it if you're, I know you're into history and reading and yes, sir. Too. Um, when the national currency came into effect, states and individual banks even printed their own paper money. There was no national currency originally, okay. so when it came into being in the early 1860s, it was counterfeited so widely that it was the expression worth it's not worth the greenback because it, it was basically baseless it was it was so counterfeited and uh, president uh, lincoln ironically on the day he was assassinated told the secretary of treasury to put together a group of what they called operatives originally to suppress counterfeiting and that was he signed that order actually the day he was assassinated dang wow so i i love history i can't i can't imagine the Especially if you're exposed to politics and politicians and stuff and and all that, I, I'm sure you're full of good stories. Yeah, it was it was a ride. I sure. I was I was in Washington D.C. Uh, during the Reagan Bush administrations, mm-hmm. doing protection then. Um, and then I had a number of different field offices I worked out of uh, Boston, Miami, uh, and I went to Hawaii. Um, as one of the assignments in Hawaii, you would think is pretty narrow, mm-hmm. pretty limited, mm-hmm. but the geographic area responsibility was the whole Pacific Rim. So from Antarctica oh. through the Indian subcontinent 
and eastward through Asia. We had we covered that out of Honolulu. Did, just a little area, not yeah, not too get, not too vast. Did you get to <laughs> Did you get to hunt while you were stationed there? Or working actually, there? Actually, this may be a good segue. My first big game kill was on the island of Oahu in in Honolulu. Okay, wait one second. One more question, and I will we'll go right into Hawaii and hunting. Did no, you meet no. Did you meet President Reagan? Oh yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That I, is I, so cool. I spent a lot of time uh, on that detail, and uh, well, closer to home in Kenny Bunkport. Yeah, was with uh, then Vice President Bush. Bush, right? Later. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I tell, uh, again, we can go off the deep end with this, but <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, go I don't ahead. work I, tomorrow, so we're yeah. good. So we were out at Reagan's ranch, and when he was leaving office after his second term, and I say we, um, I was part of their counter assault team, which was our counterterrorism unit. Okay. So we got, we were there at the helo pad. Uh, my team was, and we lined up to. Sh- and the president was shaking our hands and so forth, and of course we were geared up you know, full gear. Yeah. And uh, he shakes everybody's hands and he gets down to me and he looks back up the line and he says, well, I guess you boys don't believe in gun control. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. the figure's straight. It's all good. It's not in the trigger. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll break off with that, but sometimes oh, beautiful. We're talking story around another campfire. Yeah, when we're around a fire, I'd lo- I'd love to hear some stories. I I absolutely love that. One of my uh, my my best friend through high school and 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 pretty much a good portion of my adult life. His father was originally Treasury, and yep. then he he transitioned into the FBI. And when we were kids, he used to bring home the spy van for us to play in. You know, like I just grew up around that, and and, yep. and the stories he when we became adults. And he was a little more comfortable. The stories he'd tell us were just absolutely insane. They were well, fantastic. And I love that because that that's just, you know. There's stuff that goes on, of course. If nothing happens, it doesn't mean nothing happened. It's just that the press wasn't involved and the right. rest of the world doesn't know. Right. But, yeah, there's there's stories to tell. That That's awesome. You must have had an amazing career. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Let's get to Honolulu and a dead animal. Quick segue. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me uh, let me preface a little bit because um, this relates to my hunting upbringing, if you will. Okay, which is non-existent. Perfect. Yep. I, I didn't hunt till I was forty. Really? Yeah. And um, I'm now seventy. Uh, my dad didn't hunt. Uh, my grandfather had passed early. He hunted and trapped. Um, didn't have an uncle, didn't have family, no, nobody really to yeah. bring us up in it. But God bless my parents to their credit. When I was 12 and I was showing an interest, you know, from watching American sportsmen, for instance, and I was like gung ho. And, and my dad bought me a 22 single shot rifle and we had some land. This was, uh, in Alabama. I was in Birmingham where my dad got transferred to and, um, uh, is that where you grew up? Junior high through college years. Okay. And um, to their credit, I would, my brothers, two younger brothers and I, sometimes we'd go out of the house on a Saturday 
with a rifle and a pocket full of 22 shells and roam the woods and come yeah. back at dusk. Yeah. Dinner. That's, that's not that, quite today. <laughs> no, I mean, that was, but that, that, so that, that sounds a lot interest, like my youth. Yeah, my yeah. interest was, was cradled like that. And then living here, uh, back then, uh, I, there were deer. My first home here was near some public land and mm-hmm. I was seeing deer sign and deer trail and so forth. So I thought, okay, I'll get a license and maybe I'll get my hand and try this. And I had a shotgun. So for eight mornings, I sat in a hemlock tree that had branches that I could climb up into it. I sat on the branch of the hemlock tree for eight mornings waiting for a deer to come through and finally shot out a fork horn. And then I met a guy through school, our kids we were with, uh, you know, other friends and who was heavily into all kinds of hunting. If, he, if, if, if it could be hunted by whatever method, Ray would do it. And Perfect. Ray had a original Monty Moravec Monarch longbow. And he how old, were you, how old were you then? Forty. Oh, okay, you're forty at this point. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I had nothing, no exposure whatsoever. Okay, and okay. It was a, a sixty-eight inch longbow back back in those days, eighty-two pounds, lightweight. And, <laughs> and he was massive. He was massively strong, and I could maybe shoot six times. And I was yeah. pretty healthy then too. Yeah. But that, it just bit me. I mean, that just got a hold of me. I I hunted one season with a compound borrowed yeah. with mismatched arrows. I missed a, missed a deer with that. I missed several, several deer with the long, I eventually got a long bow. And of course it was 68 and, Mine was at 70 pounds and he lightened it up a little bit. I lightened it up and I was banging, <laughs> banging limbs and I street fan with that 68 inch bow. Yeah. Which I learned I gravitated and I ended up settling for shorter longbows. Yeah. The 60, 58, 68, 60 inch to, but I didn't get anything. So it was five years before I killed anything. And at that time, we were in Hawaii. Um, you got to tell us that story. I will. Um, <laughs> yes. Chris is all about this. I was shooting, interesting, Schaefer. I was I was shooting a green mountain longbow then. Oh, you've got yeah. one. Right? Don't two. you have one? Two. You got two? I got yeah. two. Woo! I have two. It was 69 pounds. And my second one was 72. Oh, and Hawaii, Honolulu... Uh, the island of Oahu is weird because three quarters of the population of the state are on that one island. Mm-hmm. So there's not much open land, but there's a strip uh, that runs along what they call the Pali Highway. It goes up and goes through a pass between the, the volcanic mountains. And it's a narrow strip. It might be a mile wide on either side of the, of the highway. And it was open to hunting and it was, it was pigs. Because we're living there. And so 
it was pretty simple, really. It was kind of a dripping rainy day, and I was just pussyfooting around. And I look up ahead of me, and there's there's a pig rooting around. I shot him. So it's not really a <laughs> <laughs> best story on the podcast yet. Best story. It wasn't really. He's there, all... and I shot him. That's it. It's done. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to elaborate on that. How was um, the shot? Was it a pretty good shot? Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, yeah he, went, he went about five yards and laid down. So, yeah, I'm yeah, better than that. I call that good. You were 45 I, at this point. Yeah. And I was, uh, interestingly, part of my growing up into the sport was back before the internet, all that stuff. And it was like you reading G. Fred Asbell burning up VHS. Ta- They're VH- all back here. Yeah. VHS tapes, whatever. Yeah. Paul Brunner had a tape out. I didn't have any instruction. I just was winging it, following that. And I was reading Don Thomas. That was oh, more yeah. inspirational. Bolton on the back there, yeah. yeah. Inspirational stuff. So that's that's kind of how I how I was going. And I, I get, was shooting wood arrows, um, which I know you both shoot wood, but I know, Chris, that's your thing. Yeah, Schaefer's kind of a, a, a dabbles. Yeah, I, I've been, I'm, I've I'm dedicated. A bit on your your offering to at Compton. But oh, was, did you get in on it? I was unsuccessful, obviously. So oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, uh, that, so I, 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 we're I, gonna do that again. I'm definitely good, gonna do that good. again. I had a good that time was, with that. That was fun. Thank you. Um, Thanks. Anyway, I was shooting shooting wood, and in, in all my reading and kind of self taught, I guess you describe it. I got into Ashby studies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. I was like, okay, especially with the pigs. Some of them, some of them were sizable. Right. Let me let me start shooting heavier arrows. I experimented with all kinds of hardwoods and ended up with birch arrows, which gave me sufficient weight. I felt, but the one thing that was missing was with wood and glue on heads was FOC. FOC. Yeah. 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 So. What were you shooting at, at this point? Like, what kind of green tip were you shooting? Do you like remember? A, a 145. Uh, so, so it was kind of lighter. All right. Or 160, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, in the Ashby studies, you mentioned uh, Forgewoods. Are you familiar with the Forgewoods arrows? I am not, I no. don't think so. Okay. Um, Forgewood... Yeah. I'm going to try to explain the process. A guy named Bill Sweetland developed the machinery to make forge wood arrows. He originally used Port Orford cedar. Just the compression? It's a heat and compression thing. So if you take a board, say, 30 inches long, and it's three inches thick at one end and one inch thick at the other, that board would be compressed to a 5 sixteenths board all the way end to end. Okay, so that the front would be way heavier than the and rear. Then cut, cut this, cut to your square. Would you and, would you purposely taper it like that? Well, so it'd be tapered that way, so the front has more. So you have, you have FOC, you have basic yeah. FOC built into the arrow, despite it being five sixteenths all the way through. It was just compressed from three inches to one inch, and it was a tapered density, if you will. I got you. Highly yeah, manip- highly manipulated, but you could basically not break them. It's almost like it's almost like tapering an arrow, like 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 Carson does. Carson did those those ones. He, 
No, so what he's saying, but Chris he's saying is, they're compressed. I, I understand their density, so they're heavier out front. But yeah. it, it's the same same kind of idea as a tapered arrow. You have more right. out front, this but, is it, just but this nuclear. is compressed. So, yeah. so what would be what would be the weight difference between a typical parallel cedar shaft, poor poor door for cedar, okay. and yeah. one of these that's compressed? How much? How much? How much grains would you get out of that? Well. A sixty sixty five would come in at about six hundred and twenty grains without the point for cedar compressed forage wood cedars. What's a regular cedar arrow like four hundred grains? Uh, grains light, <laughs> real light, yeah. right? It's I think it's like three fifty something like that, four hundred. Yeah. yeah. So this guy Bill Sweetland, there's a great. It's black and white. On YouTube, you can follow Bill Sweetland and the Forgewood Arrows, and you can see the whole process. He explains it, you know, in detail. Later, he he stopped making them and sold his equipment to a fellow up in Alaska, and that's where I got my shafts. And they weren't cedar any longer because it was too expensive, and he used hemlock. Okay, but, but still, it was same principle. Yes, Forgewood. And they would taper, they would point taper those things and shoot them through plywood boards. Spell his last name, do you know it? Sweetland is S-W-E-E-T-L-A-N-D. Bill Sweetland. Sweetland, okay. I'm looking so, this. I'm just going to mark this so I have it to look at. So anyway, I, start, I got forge woods and I started using them. And I could actually, Shay, for you to appreciate this, I could go out. 32 I could go out uh, stump shooting and I wouldn't lose six, break six arrows. That would be lovely. <laughs> I would come back with my one arrow I left with. So, so these anyway. things are pretty resilient too, on top yeah. of the, the weight yeah. to them. Yeah, the drawback with them was you, once they were sealed and you had the point glued on, if you, if you took the point off, for instance, and you left exposed wood, mm -hmm. and moisture content would eventually get – Get creep back into that shaft and it would expand. All I can wow. all I can picture is those foam things you have when you're real little kids that you put in the bathtub with you and it goes from oh, a, yeah. Yeah, a little my, my son's got little, an alligator. Yeah. A little yeah, yeah. pill to yep. an animal. Wow. So is that, anybody still doing this? Is that guy up in AK still doing it? No, he's out of business too. I, I mean, when you watch that video and you look at the I got the, it marked. In the equipment and so forth that was involved that Sweetland developed. It's not a cheap process, I'm, it's I imagine. Not, no, it's not cost effective now. And yeah. I think it's, I think the equipment is in Canada someplace. That somebody up there bought uh, bought the setup, bought the equipment. But don't quote me on that. Hopefully Carson's hearing this. <laughs> I have hey, I got I got a couple dozens in a box in place. I'll have to send you each one of them and put a judo on it and see if you can break it wow i can't even imagine the 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 inertia the force it takes to to compress that that's yeah there was nothing else involved like it was just compression like no no i think it was heat i think it was heat i don't know about moisture but it was compression say, is it in heat is, wow it that's awesome. gotta be was it hydraulic it had to i, I don't I know say, I, it you has know, to be i would yeah. imagine it's gotta imagine. be like yeah, hydraulic or something. Holy crap, that's cool. I've never even heard of that. That's cool. Yeah. So, so are you still shooting woods? No. 
help. I, I found it simpler to tune arrows with carbon. Don't tell me you're shooting access. <laughs> no, no. no. I'm shooting a 400 at 29 inches and I can adjust about anything. Man, you can't know. you can't beat carbons. They're they're so easy. You just can't beat them. You Chris, what did you text me earlier I, today? I was gonna say I was I was texting Schaefer. So like I am I am I will hunt with woods. I will shoot woods pretty much ninety nine point nine percent of the time. But I've had my eye on those those Fred Eichler um, Easton's the Legacy carbons. Yeah. They're 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 not cheap. But uh, I, I texted Schaefer today. I was like, I think I'm going to buy a dozen of these just to putz around with over the winter. You yeah. know, I'll foot them and, and go stomping with them or something. But, they, man, they just look so nice for carbons. Think, they're pretty. I think, yeah, I think they're cost effective, really. I imagine. Yeah, because I mean, you foot them and then you go stump shoot or whatever. You'll come back with your, all your arrows. You won't have broken did, them. Did you, so, did, did you see the Kuyu ones I painted? The, not, they're not, not the Compton arrows. They no, were- they're pretty fancy, in-depth camouflage. And uh, I'm actually hunting with them this year. Here's, no. here's one for you. <laughs> so you can see like how much effort I put into that, right? And it, it, it paid off really well. That's painful. Um, That's painful. <laughs> so 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 getting talk about painful. Like I, I I like doing that. I don't mind if they break, whatever, you know. It's it's it, it's like some people paint on canvases. I paint on arrows. It's it that that's part of my enjoyment. Um, so I don't care if they blow up. But I, I did a count tonight. I'm down to eight arrows. I'm like, where did the four go? So I know I broke one there. Yeah. I broke another one last week, um, hunting, and I'm like, where where the other two go? But I'm like, I put all this effort into these arrows, this dozen dozen arrows, and now I'm down to eight of them, and I don't know where the other. I don't, I'm missing two. I'm like, I broke them somewhere. Clearly. <laughs> I just don't know where. And, and it's like, how do you go through, uh, how do you go through arrows so quick? I, and I do, I just go through arrows like crazy. So I mean, what is that way? Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the cl- longest I shot wood arrows was 2018. And I was shooting, I think there were 705 grains by the time they were made up. And the reason I stopped hunting with them that year is because every time I take my practice shot, I'd break the point off because it never failed six inches underneath the dirt. <laughs> there would be a rock. And after about the, I don't know, second or third time, I pulled my arrow out of the ground and I was missing my point. I'm like, all right, carbons it is. <laughs> so when you get, when you got your quiver, right, you got your five arrows, you got four broadheads and one stomper, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ah, that's his cheat code, right? That doesn't there. that doesn't look like a wood arrow. <laughs> it's got a it's got a nice uh, aluminum uh, footing on there with a real nice yep. ace. Yeah, two hundred grain. Yeah, so yeah. so I do cheat a little bit. This is my stomper, and this thing's yeah. this thing's been around for two years now of stumping, and it's my only stumping arrow, and it's still together. So there might be a brass insert. I can't remember. So this might be three hundred grains out front. I forget. I, um, I say they're uh, they're cost effective when they are they are 100 percent really yeah um, I so despite being a hundred percent well 99.9 percent wood arrow guy I I really think I might buy a set of those those Eichlers. they're pretty we're looking uh, at the midi tar this year and I'm just like oh. they are nice they, <laughs> the, there's like a a, a a a fake wood stain on them 
mm-hmm. and they match my limbs on my one PSA, my one Black Widow, and perfect. Wow. I'm like, it's it just makes sense. I need I need I need a dozen yeah, justified, <laughs> but I'm still gonna shoot woods. I'm not. I I just I love the whole process behind wood. I love making them. I love shooting them. It, there's a definite. They're it, they're more enjoyable to shoot. You don't have that. I, I uh, this might sound silly, but I, I feel like there's a uh, a hollowness. A uh, uh, when when you shoot a wood, everything's like sucked up because it's. I think it's because there's so much mass and all that stuff to it, and it just it, it whereas like it's like you don't get that from like I, I can I can notice a major difference between aluminums and and carbons and woodies. And you're talking about the sound, the sound, the feel. Yeah. I, I know I can feel a difference when I'm shooting between a a a, a carbon and a and a, a wood 100. Yeah, percent I I can get on board with that. I'm not I'm not I'm not the guy that can say oh I can shoot the difference between a string or something like that, but I can shoot the difference between an arrow. I can feel the difference. Yeah, yeah. you can't shoot the difference in the arrow. You can just feel the right, difference. right. Right, still suck. It doesn't matter what I shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a terrible archer, but I can uh, tell the difference. <laughs> They're good days, days, and they're bad days. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, try to try to reel us in a little bit here. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, that's fine. I, I knew this was going to happen. Todd, we wanted to at least get a little bit of your antelope hunt from this year, and this isn't your first antelope hunt, right? From my understanding, no, it is not. Um, you know, you have dreams of doing things, and I was thinking about Western game and the lack of experience and not, you know, you really can't from New Hampshire go to public ground and, and scout it efficiently. <laughs> it yeah. just doesn't work together. It's so, just a short 20 hour drive. Yeah. And... So I, I booked a hunt with a outfitter out there and it was a cattle operation and it was uh, a water tank, you know, that kind of thing. And, this was my third hunt this past. Uh, Were you this, out with the Sturge, uh, Denny and Marie? They came in after I did. Okay. They were the next crew in. So I saw you guys commenting on each other's stuff. So I figured there may have been a connection there. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good year. The first year I was out there. Um, if I can describe it, you got a metal cattle tank, but the, Antelope don't like drinking directly out of the tank. So the tank had would have overflow or leak and it would flow and create a grass strip, if you will. All right. On that wet. And uh, that's where the animals would come and they would drink out of the ugliest puddle seep before they drink out of the tank. And they had two uh Two blinds set up, one uh, about 35 yards from the tank, and the other at the far end of the grass strip was 80 yards from the tank. But this grass strip came all the way to the blind, so you don't know where they're going to come in. I'm talking about this first, the first year. Okay. Um, and, of course, it's, you, it's, it's grim in, in the heat and 10 or 12 hours sit, so that's where you – the grind comes, you know, but anyway, that first trip, um, an antelope buck came in and he was about 50, 55 yards from me, the blind I was in. 
and he was border Boone and Crockett. And he came and stood in the grass strip and he drank a little and he looked around and I swear that thing fell asleep standing up. <laughs> he, he would, did not look alert. He, nothing about him looked like he cared and he batted and he'd get up and he'd bat again and I'll stay right in the grass. Um, this went on for five and a half hours. <laughs> and I, I was, I was like, oh, God. So I had picked a cactus out. And I said, you know, if, if that animal walks this way, if he gets to the cactus, that is 25 yards. And if the conditions for presentation is all good, I might try a shot. And I'll be damned if that thing didn't get up five and a half hours later and walk and stand by that cactus broadside. And I shot. No pressure. I tickled his brisket. <laughs> and he oh. he ran off just a few yards and stood there and looked back at the arrow in the ground. And then just walked off like unconcerned. Well, out there on that high high plateau area, desert, it's telling distances is strange. It is really hard. It was hard for me. Yeah. Really hard for me. And that cactus was at 33 yards. Oh, no. A bit further. Yeah. I mean, it totally, totally fooled me. And Did you so, have a range, range finder with you or no? I borrowed the uh, guides when guides. Did, and to see what it was. Um, the second year out there, the weather was bad and the blind blew, two of the blinds blew away in high winds. <laughs> it was not exactly the best trip. So this come to this August, I get out there and there's more animals than I've seen in the previous two years. It was a banner year for, uh, for the pronghorn. Mm -hmm. And the full story is a, first of all, there's cattle come in to drink. And it's soft, and they leave their deep hoof prints and fill with water all the way around the tank. The reason I share that is because a, a nice buck comes in, he goes to the tank, and he, instead of drinking out of the tank, he goes into one of these deep hoof marks to get the water out of the bottom. So as he's down in this hole, his eyes almost covered up, um, and he's kind of crouched forward and I said okay well I'll give it a shot I shot him and I hit him right on the elbow and broke the leg and he ran off did he cover ground good still no he went immediately and laid down and got up oh, okay and go 10 feet and he lay down again but when I went got out to try to get another arrow hit him he got up and on he three wheeled it out of there and he caught up with the the rest of the herd and he went he went hard. Well, he was eventually killed by a hunter next group in. Um, but I ended up getting uh, getting a smaller buck uh, who came in and he he walked by nine yards so. 
I like those. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like I like the that's, nine. My, I like, that's my wheelhouse. Yeah, I'm wheelhouse a big, distance right there. I'm a big fan of sub ten yards. Yes. Yeah. So I felt it. You know, it was an, a great introduction to getting out there to the west somewhere and an iconic animal, iconic absolutely western animal. So I was I was pretty pleased. That is on my. I don't want to say bucket list because that makes it yeah. sound weird or not weird. Just that's on my to-do list. Yep. Schaefer just sent me the pick. That's great, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd the mustache go? Um, the way of most facial hair. Most of usually, Chris, I have a, grow a beard through the winter now. Yeah, you could. You could have retired. You could have put some pressure on Schaefer over there. We just trimmed up last night, so <laughs> I don't know if I can compete with that. <laughs> oh, that's too good. Oh, that's awesome, though. That that that'd be a fun hunt. Yeah. Any I, more Western plans, Todd? Um, I'll probably go back again next year. Do it again. Excellent. Suffer, suffer again. It hits. <laughs> it hit August, right? Yeah, it hit one hundred and five in the blind. Oh, and. Yes. Um, Bless her heart, Deb sat with me while I was hunting. She could, she didn't want to miss a thing. That's Did you awesome. Say what state was? Did I miss? This? Did you say what state? Colorado. Colorado. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. It's on the you know up on the Colorado plateau, and it's just wide open space and some cholla and prickly pear. Yeah, and that's pretty much the terrain. What 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 part of the state? Western south. East? Down south. south. Um, okay. Okay. Southwestern. Um, or south. Mid state. It's like do an hour, about an hour due south of Colorado Springs. Gotcha. Gotcha. But down there. It doesn't matter where you go. There's all there's antelope everywhere in Colorado. They're just they're everywhere. They're so if cool. You can, if you can find public land, which you can find plenty of public land out there. Yeah. If you can scout it, if you can get there before somebody else has found the water and put a blind up or yeah yeah it's probably i've heard that yeah it's it's just problematic from what Mm -hmm. i could tell they're everywhere just good luck getting close to them (laughs) absolutely yeah their eyesight oh yeah speed goats yep talk about it but it's not uh and their legs are very spindly i mean the fact that i hit one in the leg and broke his leg but the one i shot in running away, he broke its leg. Mm-hmm. And he only, oh, no kidding. He only went about 35 yards. Perfect. You know, awesome. Jumping at the shot, you know, I think is when it happened. Short shots and short blood trails. We like those. That's that's me. Yeah, you know, all that. That's a, a broadhead slogan right there. I'm with you on that. That's awesome. Yeah. But do we need to get in this bear hunt, Schaefer? This is a bear story. I call story? it a bear story. This was my favorite story he told on the first podcast. Can we, can we are you okay repeating it? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Let's do it. This was a number of years ago. I was bow hunting during muzzleloader season, which I carry the bow all the time. Yeah. I heard a gunshot not too far from me. And 15 minutes later, I hear something coming and I look and there's this bear, younger bear hobbling you know right right front leg 
it wasn't touching the ground. It was three wheeling it. Ugh. And nobody ever came through, you know, on a blood trail. I wouldn't be surprised if there was one. But anyway, lost sight. I didn't have a shot. And um, so the next year I opened my bear bait. And this bear showed up at the bear bait, missing that leg from the elbow down. No way. And it was in such bad shape. It was basically a skeleton with a hide draped over it. Oh. And so I made the decision. I just kept filling it for the season. I just kept filling the can yeah. and letting it eat, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That bear had a cub in the spring. Oh, my gosh. I could not believe it. And thereafter, every other year, they'll have a cub or two. And that bear kept, it was just, we were right in her, her zone or territory here. And we would see it. or you know, I'd get trail camera pictures and so forth. And every other year, she'd have a cub or two cubs. I'm assuming she got healthier. Yeah. She never got big. She was tiny. I en ended up later when she was in kind of a sad shape, she yeah. was dry. We didn't have a, a cub with her. I ended up shooting her and she was 11 and a half years old at that point. Oh my gosh. But she still carried, I mean, was bearing cubs, you know, just like any other normal bear. And yeah. one of the stories, one, <laughs> I was sitting and uh, I heard something coming through the woods and it's her. And she's loping along three-legged and I didn't I didn't have any desire to shoot her till later when she was on the down slide if yeah you yeah um anyway this time she came through she was came through and she went down a steep bank beside me down through some rocks and at the bottom was a blackberry thicket I lost mm -hmm. sight of her for a minute and then she I saw her she hooked back in into the blackberry thicket and behind her, I hear something coming, and I look, and it's a coyote. And the coyote's on her trail, stopping and sniffing, looking around, looking around. She, that coyote stayed on her trail, followed down through the rocks. That bear had J-hooked back into the blackberry patch. When that coyote got abreast, she came charging out of the blackberries on this coyote didn't catch him but i they went out of earshot <laughs> they kept going with her oh, so, that's awesome yeah oh, she was, a, she was paying a back the favor right there oh my god she's a fighter that is awesome it's They're amazing right. the, the the will to live is amazing yeah. it is amazing yeah um so how many yeah. years did you actually follow her for well, let's say let me let's. They're usually not sexually mature till about three. I think she may have been two or three when she got shot. So it was okay. Let's call it nine years later. No kidding! Wow, that's wild. Yeah, it's cool to see it. She, you know, had a home range that stayed that consistent. And, and you had a history with her before you eventually took her. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That was a bittersweet. Yeah, I'm sure. That's I'm a sure. Thing. Yeah, but if she's on the decline and and you know, that's the right thing to do. Yeah.
I love bear hunting. I think that bear meat is probably my favorite venison. It's it's pretty dang good. That's for sure. I, I like it. Yeah. What do you think, Shafe? You had you brought home some. Yeah. What's been your favorite? I, uh, been a while since I've had venison. Uh, but <laughs> I the the pieces I've had so far, I've had a couple. I cooked one backstrap well, one backstrap terribly. Uh, my dad made a roast out of it. So the bear I've had, I would say I like more than venison so far. Mm-hmm. But I think if you cook each well, it's hard to say one's better than the other. Yeah. And and the processing is a big part of it. Correct. I still want to, most of it's frozen and I have a couple roasts left and I'm really debating whether to grind the roast into burger because I hear bear burger is really good too. Mm-hmm. So the best burger I ever had was a bear burger. Yeah. Yeah. So that is on my uh, to-do list actually came into my mind recently. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh man. You guys I, should came off a, a nice three or four days. We, we had a good, PA? Yeah, three and a half days pretty much. It was uh it was fun. It was it was I saw so many deer. It's not even nope, there's no deer here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spread that. <laughs> it was a good it was a good week. I I think we hit it a week early. Would you agree? Yeah, I think if the weather had stayed cold. Mm-hmm. Like it did Thursday, I think it would have been absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Thursday morning, there was a uh, hurt so good moment is the way I like to describe it. Because there was a, I don't know if he was an eight or a ten. All I know it was it was a large antler, and nice. uh, he he walked. So Chris and I were like sitting like I don't know at the time maybe forty yards apart. There's a kind of a clearing with some hemlocks in the middle mm-hmm. and there was two ways into it chris was hunting one i was hunting the other and uh he came from chris's side towards and he walked on the trail that went in front of me he came, he came it, out of the swamp and it was dark and and he came correct. in like 15 yards to my right hand side and i got i got a pretty good look at him in the moonlight like the rack he was good yeah so he ended up making it over to me and the hemlocks that he walked through to go from like where Chris was to where I am, it started out dark. I had my bow in my hand, like I was ready. And I pulled my phone out of my pocket real quick and like peeked at my clock. And I'm almost positive, if I remember correctly, it was legal shooting light. The issue is legal shooting light doesn't always uh, mm-hmm. contrast with the amount of light that is actually available at the moment. Yeah. And we're in a good amount of hemlocks. Yeah, I was so, just saying under hemlocks or just yeah. So yeah. as he came as he came through the hemlocks, I couldn't even see antlers yet. And all suddenly as he kind of cleared those, his antlers kind of started to glow. And I'm like, oh, he's legal. He's very legal. <laughs> and the further he walked out of the hemlock, keep in mind this is like 10 or 12 yards. He's broadside this whole time. And I'm going through that moral quandary of it's legal. I just don't feel great about the situation. And this is the first morning. Yeah. So like I have all these things kind of weighing against it. So as he gets a little bit further, still around 12 yards, you know, I start to see his front leg. I can like his body is mostly just a gray shadow, mm-hmm. but I can see his front leg. I can, you know, kind of make the outline of his, you know, scapula and whatnot in the body. And 
there is definitely a moment of, I think I could get this. You had enough light to shoot him. Yes. You took the moral high road. I unfortunately did in that. That's not, that's not unfortunate. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's unfortunate. I applaud that. Yeah. So nonetheless, that was the closest opportunity I had while I was down there. It was kind of one of those. It just happened to be that three day section wherever Chris and I sat, the deer just kind of favored Chris's side. <laughs> so whether Chris was giving me the, the worst side on purpose <laughs> or if it was luck of the draw, but so, so the way I judged it was um, three years ago, the buck I killed came out of the right side. Mm-hmm. Last year, the buck came out where Schaefer's side. Mm-hmm. And the year before that, the buck I killed came out in front of me. So it was like, well, they've come out of all three areas. Yeah. I think it's just a luck of the draw. Well, um, absolutely. I had, I had, I saw a lot of deer. I mean, I saw a ton of deer. Um, we saw three coyotes. We saw that, that big reddish one that was just a tank. They did but, not uh, like my seductive squirrel calling. No, no, he no, was on they a mission. Just, actually, I think it deterred them. Yeah. Um, so. I, uh, I shot one and I, sh- I shot a, a really, really, really nice eight pointer. This was Thursday morning. This is Thursday morning. It was about a 14 yard, 15 yard shot. And he, I'm, I was so focused on my spot. That I didn't really see what happened, but I'm pretty sure he ducked because mm-hmm. my arrow went high um, in that void, like right behind the shoulder, right in the back strap area, like where the, sh- yeah. you know, that, that area. Yeah. And when I found my arrow, I had only gotten about six or eight inches of penetration. Um, I'd say pushing six. Pushing six. I th- yeah, yeah. I wouldn't I even think say eight. Eight's, eight's too much. Yeah. yeah. It's, I would say it's closer to six. Well, the arrow's right behind me. I can show you. Um, but as soon as it hit, like as soon as I saw him hit, I knew I was not in a good good way, you know. Um, and line these arrows up. So there's there's a full length and a broke and the one that hit him and the blood stops right there. Gotcha. So I, so I got about that much arrow in him. Yeah. And uh I was like, shit, that's not good, but let's see what happens. So I stayed in my stand for about like 40 minutes and then I got down and I looked and there wasn't a drop of blood anywhere. Um, And, and when I say it hit him high, it, it hit him like. Backstress, you think? Uh, I'd say there-ish. Like, there-ish, right below it yeah. maybe. Um, It was perfect windage wise. I mean, it was a perfect shot. Yeah. I think he just dropped down, like dropped his shoulders down when I shot. Because yeah. my mistake was when he first, so he came out of the swamp, which is like right in front of me. And then he hung up his left, went away from me to the right, to my right, and then came back up. But when he hung hung left, I did a little dobly. And that got him, oh, what's over there? So... He definitely spun and came back around, took the long way around. And when he came out of the the swampish area, he was on high alert. Yeah. And and I think he just jumped that string because he was he came out of the swamp and he was looking everywhere and he was really cautious. And the wind all week sucked. We had swirling winds all week. 
um it, it was bad it was like it, we just didn't get a good wind any day but uh i think he was just super alert and as soon as i released that arrow he dropped down a couple inches and that screwed up my shot so i spent a good portion of thursday looking for him looking crawling around looking for blood anything i couldn't find anything um i looked i looked for him again like pretty much the whole week i would go look for him never found him and then sunday i went out early in the morning and my neighbor and i hiked and because schaefer ended up getting it on video and i saw he didn't go to the one area so i knew he went pretty much straight like so so when i shot him he ran out through like some thicket into a field and i lost sight of him so as soon as he got through that thick stuff i couldn't see him i didn't know where he went and i didn't hear a sound because he hit the field and it was silence so i didn't know where he went i didn't know if he went left if he went right if he went straight so another good thing about what he ended up doing in the video is he went uphill away from water yeah so those are two usually so (laughs) good signs that it wasn't super fatal so the kicker is i looked for probably about four hours on thursday and schaefer's like hey there's some buck here he was still in the stand he's like one looks kind of like the one you shot at and i was like oh all right so i went back to my tree stand after he told me it was clear and I get in my tree stand. I'm there like five minutes and that same buck comes back. And I'm like, I'm 90% sure that's that deer. Wow. I'm 90% sure, but I'm not a hundred percent. So, but I'm looking at it and, and it's like the same style rack. It was high and, and wide. It was good. It was good. It was good deer. Smaller body though. Like, like not a huge body. He was probably like a three-year-old buck, two, two and a half, three-year-old buck, but a big, big, big rack. So I went back out Sunday and I went after watching his video and I was like, I'm going to go to this spot. And I went out and I, as soon as I got to the next field, sure enough, I see that buck and I'm 90% sure it's the same damn deer. Yeah. Um, I got a bit of, I posted a video of him the other day, but yeah, I never found blood. I never found anything, hair, nothing, not a damn thing. Yeah. Well, but the evidence is there that he, he's okay. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm hoping so. Cause it, you know, it, at this, the sickening feel feeling, it's a terrible feeling. Nobody likes to do that. I had a um, sick, I was sick last year. It was similar. It happens. It's, it's unfortunate. It's bow hunting. That's part of the, the, the venture. But so anyway, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty damn sure I saw him Sunday and I'm pretty sure he's just fine. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say I'm a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure that was him. Yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, that was that was wild and then to top it off the next day poor schaefer he didn't i don't think he got close to anything but friday i had another beauty of an eight pointer not as big but a nice eight come in and he he came in the opposite direction of that one i shot but the same trail and he was like a yard away from giving me the same exact shot right in a row oh god and i was i was ready to roll i'm like okay here we go here we go and he the wind swirled and he stopped and when he stopped there was like uh, a pine branch in front of his vitals so i didn't have a shot and i'm sitting there i could see his vitals through that little hole in the pine branches and i'm like nah not taking that shot (laughs) so so we sat and watched each other for a little bit and then he took a a wide berth and went back behind a bunch of trees and i didn't get a shot at him um so to give you there's like three hemlock trees between me and chris chris text 
Chris texts me, did you see that go down? Like the story he was just telling. I'm like, no, I had no idea. Like, mm-hmm. That's how thick those three hemlocks were. It's crazy. I, I, so I, I actually, think... I ended up moving midday that day. Kind of, well, it was in front of me, but to Chris's right. Yeah. So I was basically hunting the same thing I was, but I was at the vantage point where I could actually see around the hemlocks. Yeah. This might this might sound silly, but I think if we got any further apart, we'd screw we'd screw it up for each other with wind, because the wind was so bad, it was just yeah. At least our scent seemed like, like one. I yeah, I wanted to put, I wanted <laughs> to put him deeper in the swamp, but I think that like I either my my scent would have screwed him or my or his would have screwed up mine. It was just it was such a the wind was crazy. It was like. Every time we got like so there's there's a field out in front of me and every time I'd see does out there running the wind would start blowing that direction. I'm like, "Come on." Yeah. And 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 vice versa. I'm like if they're coming from the other side, the wind would start blowing that way. It was just such a you, I don't know. It's you I've never That's frustrating. <laughs> I've never had wind like that back there. It's always been oh. it's always been away from the field and the deer always come from the field or the swamp and the wind's always in a good direction and this whole week it just swirled. It was crazy. I think Saturday afternoon was one of my favorite. I mean, it was it was funny looking back on it. So Saturday midday, we haven't seen a thing. And at this point, the weather's gotten really warm. It's hot. Yeah. So Chris is like, let's go across the street. We'll just because we hunted the same stands the first two days. And Chris is like, we'll go across the street. So we pack up our stands, walk out to the truck. And I'm like playing around with my grunt tube because it was acting up. So I just hit the grunt tube a couple light times. This is standing on his dad's on my tailgate driveway and yeah, my dad's driveway. And this just massive butt comes running out onto his dad's backyard. And I'm like, I can't. It has to be the fact that I was using my grunt tube trying to figure uh, out what was going on because it was too coincidental. He was a tank. He was nice. I, oh my I was goodness! Say, how does a grunt tube act up? I the the reed inside <laughs> he, was doing. He something hit funny. it. And it's it sounded like a gremlin. It sounded terrible. <laughs> I was like, "What the hell did you do to that?" So, t- have you seen the video of Amelia playing with my grunt tube, Todd? That I posted. Uh, I th- no, I don't think I have. I'll have to send it to you. But my grunt yeah. tube's been on a a toy for Amelia for you know the uh, last six the or seven months. Blown out, yeah. So yeah, so I went to use it when Chris was uh, looking for the deer. And all suddenly, it you know, it sounded normal, and it just made a so noise. I'm like, that couldn't have been good. Well, so it went, it went from being able to use like real gentle pressure to like really having to blow through it to get it to make. You need noise. to take that apart and see if there's some baby formula. Yeah, it's something. <laughs> Regardless, so I was playing with it on the stand after I tried to do it for Chris that one time, and it sounded awful. So when I got to his dad's driveway, that was the next time I used it. And it sounded great from that point on. So clearly whatever I did worked. Yeah, and that, that was buck a, was a fan. He was tell a you, wind, wind is, well, you know, I, was it four years ago? I was hunting near the house here. And it's uphill across the road from my house and uphill about 250 yards up is a bench. And it, you got to sit a lot of, spend a lot of time because it's a travel corridor and there's not much else to draw them there. But anyway, I had to win just off the bench and a pair of does comes down the bench 
and the wind shifted to them and then to them in a way, you know, it's just a flicker, if you will. And they both locked up. But downhill behind me, uh, my neighbor arrived home at dusk in his in his truck. And it was very still night. You could hear everything. Yeah. Pull up, park, door slam, and so forth. And those deer stayed locked in um, until he got in the house. A couple minutes later, they relaxed. And I I feel confident that they associated my smell. Yeah. Smelled with with him yeah down 250 yards away but the air was coming up uphill in our direction so it was uh-huh. interesting that makes sense i know when i hunt out back behind my apartment i don't get too carried away with scent because no, they're like used to, to civilization yeah, yeah, yeah they're just used to smelling the apartment complex mm-hmm. at all times how, we didn't but, talk about that how about that spiker we saw when we moved that was well, so that was I was getting to that. So when we moved across the road, Todd, this was just oh. bad decisionville. That that's yeah. the only way I can describe it. So we're walking in and two nice bucks jump out, which we kind of figured that might happen due to the time of day. Yeah. Before we even got in there, I was like, we're gonna bump deer. I know that. So I find a, a three or a triple bank tree and I try to climb that. That was miserable. I get up there, Chris found a tree he didn't really like, but he climbed it. And we're texting each other. Your tree sucks. Yeah, my tree sucks. Essentially, like like sucks. Like it was a death trap because it was like a a boggy, m- yeah. like mo- mosh or what do we call it? Um, it was boggy. bog. Yeah. And as soon as I got like fifteen feet up my tree, my tree's like or like like three feet of sway, and I'm like, I'm gonna die here. I'm gonna get down. And like we're right on the edge of a like a swamp that leads into a pond. It was a perfect funnel, yeah, though. Now, you guys hunting with saddles? No, no, uh, stands. mobile stands. Yeah, yeah. Um, there wasn't a tree that I could get up in, so I was like, "Well, screw it, I'll just get back up in that one." So I got <laughs> so back this up is in climb that one. two. Yeah, climb Three, two. Yeah, I got up in it, and I saw a tree that was good, and I got back down out of it because I was like, oh, "I'll get in that one," and then I got around in it, and it looked good from my view, but when he got around the side of it, it was leaning like this. I was like, son of a, so I climbed my tree three times. I was like, you gotta be, this is ridiculous. Um, and then I tried it, to get up. I got down from the triple bank tree and went up a hemlock. Yeah. And oh my, I, the branches didn't look too bad when I like first looked up it and then oh, climbing it. Oh my goodness. It was just now that it's cleared out, that tree will be perfect. <laughs> so, so yeah. So after all that craziness and nonsense and, and rookie mistakes, we finally get in our trees and like I seriously I was reading all day. I had well, really so good... no, it happened twice though, because after we both climbed the first time, that's when the first spike came right to you. So yeah. we both climbed. Se- and second came. time I was in that tree, because it was the last time I'm so anyway, I, I, I sit down and I pull out my book that I was reading because it was really good and I want to get back into it. And I as soon as I get in my hand, I hear a twig snap. I spin around, I'm like, there, oh, there's a deer right there. And I thought it was a doe. So I slid the book back in my in my pack and I I, I grabbed my bow because I have a doe tag. And it comes around, it's a spike. I'm like, all right. So I hung the bow back up and I'm looking at it. And I'm making a lot of movement. It's not picking up on me. I'm like, what the hell? You know, what's going on here? So it gets closer and I realize it's 
I'm on its left side and it's got no left eye. The eye is gone and it's got this huge chunk out of its jaw. Like huge. Like this dude was a total brawler. He was beat. He was, he looked rough. Wow. In his mind, that those spikes were a freaking nice four by four. Wow. Yeah. He was a total brawler. He looked like he got his ass handed to him many times. And uh, the poor guy, I mean, he came up and worked a rub and he could barely stand. And then he just kind of hobbled off and went and did his thing. But I was like, I've never seen a deer that was that beat up. That, wow. that, that poor guy was, and he just, nothing was stopping him. He didn't care. And he was on, he was on the rut. He was on a move to get to this field with all these does. And it was funny watching them, but I was like, wow. <laughs> I kind of wanted to shoot him and put him out of his misery if he was legal, you know? But, uh, I don't think we saw anything after we saw does. We saw lots of does. I got to say, I saw that was the night I texted my buddy Josh. Yeah. Uh, you met Josh t- sure. uh, Todd. I texted him. I'm like, I am casually watching five does right now. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's such a weird feeling because I didn't have a doe tag. Well, so, it, but yeah. so we're going to fix but, that next year. We'll get you, get you in on one. For yeah. Next this year. year, we weren't 100% sure if things were going to happen hunt wise so i didn't put in for uh the permits in time i I think we're doing it again we're doing it again in january right uh when do my tag becomes an either or come late does not right no sorry i forgot unless the laws changed it's only an either or tag if you're hunting flintlock well that's weird that's a lot like new york new york's got some weird stuff like that regardless there's more plans to get back down. To yeah, he's coming. He's coming back down probably in January. I got a bunch of time off, so I was almost driving down today, but that didn't quite work out. Yeah, which is okay. Well, sounds like fun. Do yeah, it. yeah. Do it again. Ho- hopefully, Absolutely. hopefully this week I got I got a. We don't have Sunday hunting in Pennsylvania except for th- three Sundays we get, and uh, this Sunday is the first one that we're allowed to hunt Sunday. Hmm. So. I got some stuff I have to take care of Sunday morning, but I'm going to be out Sunday evening for the hunt and I'm hunting all day. I'm doing an all day sit on Saturday and the temperatures, temperatures look really good. It's going to be like 28 Saturday and a high of 40 something like 45. Yeah. So the temperatures look good. They might be active during the day and, and, and according to the weather, the wind looks good. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Cross the fingers. Weatherman's not always. Rarely. Shocker. So, we we were watching the weather for a week and a half before he came down, and it stayed consistent. That's the first time I've so, think, so I think I've the more I thought about it, it stayed consistent in general. But I would say it warmed up. Yeah, it was a little. I warmer. think it was supposed to be like Thursday every day, and then by yeah. the time I got down there, Thursday was still cold. Friday got a little warmer. Yeah, Saturday got even warmer. Well, we're in the hills, so. If it's a cardinal wind direction, let's say southwest, and you can look up in the sky and watch the clouds, and they're all scudding by from the southwest, but at ground level, not so much. You know, it's like water in the in the trout stream hits the boulder, comes over, rolls. Yeah, yep, yep. Does all That's... that stuff, and it's almost impossible to mitigate. It is impossible to mitigate. I was terrain effect on the wind. It's just, yeah. Yep. Oh, I was describing yeah, yeah. that to Chris. I was like, I'm at the point where like, I'll kind of plan for the dominant wind, but overall it's just going to be luck. 
Yeah, it, a deer it, happens it, to walk to me when there was no wind at that present moment. Yeah, game on. Usually, usually I do all right with wind down in that spot. That that's my my go to spot. Come rut, and it rarely do I have bad wind down there. But yeah. that whole week we had bad wind. Because of the hills here, I, there's times when if the wind speed's low, let's say less than ten miles an hour, less than five, mm-hmm. and it it's thermals. Yep. You can hunt on on the downhill, and you're fine. Yeah, it will roll right downhill in your face, no matter what what it says. Or if the sun's on the hill, it's going to be rising. Yep. Yeah, so that checks. I, I play thermal more than I do uh, direction. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Not that there's <laughs> when you were telling your story about the uh, the buck, Chris. Uh, I'll share. I had I had a, a moment last season, kind of similar. Um, I have a crab apple tree on the property that was a magnet last year, magnet for the bears and the deer. Mm-hmm. And I had made a mock scrape under it also, and my camera showed a nice buck coming, a big nine point. Oh, I remember you posting this one, Todd, Big or emailing. Blind. Yeah, and I was in a in a ground blind because in my turkey blind, it left up all year, and the thermals. And this is what brought it to my mind: the thermals were dropping right in my face, and it got to be dusk. And you know, I was in in the blind, and that affects your your sight. You know, that, as far as the light, and I'll step out of a blind, it's like, boy, I have another hour. That one, right, Todd? Yes, that's the one. Oh, he's a beauty. He, that's and that's after after the fact. And I'll tell you. Anyway, I'm in this blind, and I'm, I'm okay. I'm calling it a night, and I put my arrow on, in my quiver, which is on the ground. And as I'm reaching to do that, I catch motion. And I look up, and that buck is trotting into the to the scrape. And the scrape's at 15 yards from my blind. Oh boy, and. I rustled my fletching. It hit the the dry leaves on the ground inside, up against the, the skirt of the blind, mm-hmm. and the di- the buck went on like lockdown alert, staring right into my soul. And I thought, okay, what do you do? What do you do? And I ended up managing to get the arrow back on the bow, and he's still locked down. And now the light's going pretty pretty quickly and i thought okay i thought let me just make like a rodent and i reached into the leaves of my fingers and i just scratched around the leaves a little bit and then i stopped he came to 10 yards oh and he was still like staring into my soul locked down but at some point he decided that it was it had to just be a mouse in the leaves or a vole or something he relaxed Turned broadside and I shot and hit him right in the humerus bone. No. A half inch penetration on the broadhead, and that was it. And then I got that picture you just showed Schaefer uh, later on camera. He he survived nicely. And I've I've seen him on camera this year also. And he's still around. Oh my gosh. Did he get bigger or about the same? Uh, the rack looks the same. He's heavier. Body-wise, he's heavier. 
But anyway, Jeez, he was big then. That must he, be he, was... he survived. He survived, and that was you know if you if you go hit something, and they survive. Obviously, it's was he walking to the right or to the left when you shot Todd? I hit him on his left side. Okay, I was about to say both these pictures are. Yeah. His right side. So his right ear is all mangled. He, he's all chewed up, split two or three places. Yep, I see that. So he's very ad- easily identifiable. But maybe, maybe, fingers crossed, he may show oh. up somewhere around here. Good luck. That's round sweet. two. It's yeah. the season. It's the season. I, I'm it's really hoping season. for a round two this weekend. We'll see what happens. Heck yeah. yeah. I hope you have one too. Oh, I hope so. Oh, that'd be sweet. Awesome. Well, fellas, anything else we need to cover? I was about to say, Todd, this has been great so far. It has. So. Well, I've enjoyed it. I, I appreciate uh, appreciate the invite. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it fantastic meeting you finally. I, I love to talk story, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the favorite thing. I was about to say, we quite enjoy it, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh good stuff. Wonderful. Man. Well, for anything else? I was about to say, I think we can probably can uh, wrap it up here. Okay. And, uh, if there's any round twos that happen this weekend, we may have to uh, have a round two on here. Yeah, I'd be Sounds down for good. that. Yeah, we'd love we'd love to have you back. Sounds good, and Beautiful. I pre- appreciate the invite, boys. Absolutely, Absolutely. Thank, thank you so you. much. Tom. You have an open invite anytime you want. Well, thank you. All right. Absolutely. Good night, guys. Thanks, Todd. Have a great night. It's nice meeting you. Same here. Before we close out this episode, everybody, just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for listening to this episode of The Broken Arrow. Also, if you enjoy the show, remember to check out our partners, Black Widow Bows, Addictive Archery, Safari Tough, and Great Northern Quivers. Till next time, shoot straight.